You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C.org. Now for this week's message. Ministry, I would imagine that he's had is uh, running a food truck with one of my good friends from college because, you know, what, what better way to minister to people than food, right? So, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, David is also engaged, going to be married to his fiance Melissa. Marissa. I was close. So what a difference one letter makes, right? <laughs> In, uh, on May 7th. So, so I'm excited for him in that next phase of his life that started. I'm also excited for uh, what you're going to share with us this morning. So will you guys please join me in welcoming David? Good morning. So uh, he mentioned I'm getting, I'm engaged and getting married, and I just want you to know, young men out there, I'm just going to give you a, a word of sage advice, okay? If you ain't planned your wedding yet, it's important that you're involved enough that she feels like you're involved, okay? So now there's things, and you just have to be honest with whoever it is. You just have to say, okay, I can do this for you. Just know at the end of it, it might create more work for you than, so do the dishes, do the vacuuming, do all that stuff so she's free to do the stuff that you will create more work for. And if you don't know how to do dishes, you're probably not going to get engaged. So work on that too. All right? So uh, I'm like one day shorter than six weeks. Um, every once in a while, I'll just have to go look at the countdown and say, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Because here's the thing. When I throw a party, here's the way I throw a party. I take a picture of a pork butt and a brisket on a smoker, and I post it, and people show up. <laughs> I don't care about the color of plates. I don't care about the color of napkins. I care about the color of the bark on my brisket when I'm done. I started it 14 hours before, show up sometime between this time and this time. It'll be done resting, I promise. (laughs) So be invested enough that she believes and feels like you're invested. And here's the thing. Every once in a while, say, hey, I don't feel like I'm doing enough right now. Is there anything I could take off your plate? And when she gives you something, know this. You might create more work for her, but that one she gave you because she's overwhelmed, so you have to do really good with that. I might be speaking from experience, but you have to do really good with that, okay? So um, sometimes we focus on the wrong thing and we get overwhelmed, don't we? Sometimes we focus on the fact that I just had a yard sale, like a six-family yard sale last weekend, which was a huge blessing. We made enough to cover the food for the wedding. It's awesome. Um, But there was a mountain of stuff in three garages for three weeks. You open the door and you just look in there like, oh, I'm getting married in like nine weeks and there's a bunch of junk in three different garages that are technically my things and her things, and we only have a three-bedroom house to move stuff to. So we have to get rid of stuff. So there's this, there's been this process of picking out what I have that's like 
better kitchen utensils and which one she has that's better looking kitchen utensils. And we have to, we have to, we like put them both on the table and we're like, okay, so yours is prettier, but mine has six attachments. Just, just bear with me for a second. It's black. It can go with anything. <laughs> you know how a woman loves you? She sells her teal blue mixer stand to take my black boring KitchenAid one. But mine holds like six quarts, so it's great. Um, now, all kidding aside, um, it's funny because our, our biggest tension happens when we're focusing on the wrong thing. The task at hand is never the goal. It's important for us to remember that. And so sometimes you have to th take things step by step. Um, my Instagram is not a skinny chef for several reasons. Um, oh. <laughs> one reason, um, I, uh, I love to cook, but I decided when I was in college that I never wanted to be a skinny chef. And what I meant by that was even in college, I had friends that had graduated in my season at Ozark that were no longer pastors and they weren't pastors because of bad churches. They were pastors because they didn't eat their own food. They, they were leaving churches not because of bad leadership, but because of not eating their own cooking. And so I decided that no matter where I went, no matter what I did, I wanted God to feed through me first. And so today I want to give you a, a piece of what God's given me. Now, it's a different sermon than I've ever preached, but Colossians 3 is a place that if you haven't been planted for a while, you need to jump in and plant. Let's pray before we get fully started. God, we love you. We thank you so much for grace. I thank you for this place, for the ministry that's been done here over the years. I thank you for my opportunity to be a blip on the radar for a week, um, to share that which you've been feeding me for years and years and years and years. And God, I pray that on some level today, you will help this congregation for its next season, that you'll help them to see the end goal, that, that you'll help them have a telescope instead of a microscope. God, that they will be able to see things far away, but close up. Um, God, I pray that you would help them to focus on the right things, and I pray that you would teach all of us in this time that we have with you and together. So when I pray, amen. I have a dog story that I love. How many of you have dogs? How many of you are not dog people? Raise your hands. Okay, you can leave for the next five minutes. Um, <laughs> Because I'm about to tell you why dogs are the best. Um, I had a dog named Hershey. He was a chocolate lab, Las Opsa mix. So he was milk chocolate, white little mop dog, tall, like hunting dog, compacted into one dog. <laughs> he was pretty short. He was pretty long. He had a big lab head. He had like wavy hair. And here's the best part about Hershey. He was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania right? So good. And so I grew up, we got him when I was six because he knocked my grandma over. He was too strong for her. And so we brought him back from Pennsylvania where my family's at. And I used to do this trick with him that I put the, the, the food on his nose and he would wait for me most of the time. He'd say, get it. And he'd pop it up in the air and he'd try to catch it. He wasn't real good at it. But he was cute, so, you know. But he, he did this thing where 
if he looked past the food or the treat that was on his nose, to me, he didn't shake. He didn't have troubles, like wanting to twitch his nose. He'd do this like nose twitch thing, like, oh, I didn't make it fall. <laughs> and when it would fall on the ground, he'd grab it, right? Like, okay, Dad, I like knocked it off my nose. I mean, it fell off my nose. I need to pick up the carpet, do my chores, you know. But when he'd look at me, he wouldn't worry about that. But when he'd zoom in on that treat, he would grow weary in patience. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were looking at the treat growing weary in patience? Because if you focus on the wrong thing, it's not going to be helpful. What he learned was when he obeyed me, he got my attention. He also learned that when he disobeys me, he got my attention. Usually because I was trying to snatch the treat up before he stole it and then never got my positive enforcement. And so I think it's interesting that Colossians 3 describes the first part of it as a focal thing. So first we have to focus. Let me read for you a little bit of this. I'm going to commentate a little as we go, but um, you'll kind of figure out my style by the end of it, and we'll never see each other till heaven again. So, um, which, by the way, I'm David. I'm glad we met on this side of heaven. Thanks for letting me be here today. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I'm, a, I'm not a baker. How many of you are bakers? Anybody out there like a baker? Okay, you three that claim to be bakers, there's going to be a bake sale to pay for my wedding. I'm going to be the only bidder, um, and I just want one of everything. Um, and then I'll taste it and then sell the rest. No. Um, here's the thing about bakers. All y'all are scientists. If you put the wrong amount of something into it, it doesn't turn out right. You don't put enough of something in it, it doesn't turn out right. My dad and I were in charge of the salt one year for pumpkin pie. <laughs> I had all the measuring, you know, scoops ready and available. And dad said, okay, get that one, the tablespoons. Now, granted, we were making like seven pumpkin pies. Okay, so don't freak out just yet. <laughs> yet. And so dad said... Okay, David Roy, we need to multiply every, everything on the recipe by seven because we're making seven pumpkin pies. And so I put seven tablespoons of salt. It was the scoop that he told me to grab. In my defense, I was like seven, maybe eight. The best part is it took Dad two pumpkin pies to realize it was too salty. But you see, there's this, this idea that in baking, that if you don't heat the pan up first, or if you do heat the pan up first, it messes with the chemistry of the recipe. You follow it to a T. Now, I know that there's a bunch of recipes out there that all y'all have been modifying for your whole lives. And there's like a cookbook with like 
like X marks and then additional like instead of all butter it's like lard and butter and it's not salted butter or it is salted you know I know y'all got these cookbooks out there that I need to get a hold of because I am baking challenged because I am too ADD to follow a recipe like that every single time people ask me what did you put in this meat to make it taste good I said love tenderness, time, intentionality. I slept a little bit in between checks on the smoker, you know, like, and some apple juice, you know, spray some apple. Here's the thing. There's sometimes in the Bible that it says, do all of these things in no particular order, and I think it'll come out right. In this one, I think Paul is giving us a baking recipe, not a smoking recipe. Does that make sense? He says, first you have to do this. If anything else is going to come out right, we have to focus on where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We can't look at the tree. We can't look at the project. We can't look at the problem. First, we have to look at the master. If we can keep our eyes on the master, we won't have to fight his negative attention for positive attention. He won't have to real quick snatch that treat that I'm not quite ready for. So he can replace it on my nose. Hey, this is something good I have for you. I have a pastor for your church. That's what he's saying. There will be a shepherd. But if we focus on the wrong thing, when that person gets here, we won't be ready for it. It's difficult because if I focus on the wrong thing first, nothing else falls into place. How many of you are City Slickers fans? Anybody? You know, they say the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. If I button my shirt up with button one and slot two, I'm going to look goofy all day. And so here's what I want to challenge you guys on. Even as you vote on things today and in this season on who your next person is going to be, God has something for you to focus on in this moment. And he has a project for you to, to, to give your energy to. But he wants you to look past that to the master. The reality is, is the fix-all for any church is not a new pastor. The season of one ending and the season of one starting is just going to lead to another season of one ending and one starting. If this church is going to be here for hundreds of years, it's going to have hundreds of pastors. But if your family stays in the same area and for hundreds of years your family calls this their home, then shouldn't we be focused on our part of the transition? Now, I'm just meeting you, but this is a message that I believe every church needs to learn because we rely too much on clergy. Now, they didn't pay me to say this, but I was a pastor. And I would have people come to me and say, hey, we need to fix this problem in our church. I said, okay, great, let's have coffee and talk about how you can lead that. Wait, I told you there's a problem and you're paid to fix it. And I said, yeah, but I'm paid to help you fix it because you're the one who sees the problem. I have no problem with that. It can exist here and I'm fine. But you clearly have a heavenly conviction. People stopped coming to me with stuff they didn't want to invest in. I, I don't know. 
the problem stopped coming when I started having coffee. I stopped having coffee because nobody wanted to go out and talk about their role in it. If we focus on the wrong thing first, we'll miss it. So I just want to let you know, no matter what happens in your church in this season, no matter who shows up, who comes here, there's a role in this that God wants you to find. He wants you to focus on him first and not get overwhelmed with the fact that you have been preaching and it's out of your pay grade or that you've been stretched thin going on hospital visits because you currently don't have a senior pastor or you're tired of a new person every week, a single series every week. Maybe you need some continuity. Guess what? God knows you need that. But he wants you to focus on him. Enjoy the season for what it is. <clears throat> the second one is we die then. So first we have to focus on him. The second thing we have to do is then we die. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, I don't believe this is a comprehensive list. I think this is a pretty good summation of some things of the earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You see, no matter what happens, we can focus on Jesus, and we're going to get our marching orders from him. But if I don't if I don't take those marching orders and then die to my preference, if I don't take my marching orders and then die to my preference, then I will not be able to move forward in the way that he wants me to. Now, I believe that God's big enough to get something done whether I, I want to be part of it or not. I think he's big enough for that. But I think when he made you in your mama's womb, he made a list of things for you to accomplish in this world. And when you came into this world, Satan said, I'm going to do everything I can to spin the world in such a way that it will knock everyone off of that intended path. Now, he can't be everywhere at once, so I think he starts things, lets them spin, and creates vacuums everywhere. And so he just wants us to fall into a vacuum that sucks us away from our best life. But the problem that we have as a church is we focus on behavior way too much. Now, this is going to seem radical. But I want you to know when a meth head shows up on your front porch high as a kite, it's okay to not tell them that you think they're high. They already know it. I don't know if you realize this. <laughs> they already know it. What they need is if you have the safety of your home to be able to host them. They need you to welcome them. If it's not safe for your family to welcome them into your home, you say, hey, why don't you jump in my car and we'll go get, we'll go get a drink over at the convenience store. And let's talk. They don't need you to tell them that they're high. 
They just don't. When somebody's walking in sin and they walk through our doors, they don't need you to look at them and say, I know you lied to your boss the other day. I know you're embezzling money. I know you're talking to other people online. That's not what they need first. They need help to do what you're supposed to be doing, and that's focusing on the master. They don't know how to do that yet because they're stuck down here, and they're never going to find the master if they think all you're looking at in their life is their sin. How many of you have ever done something and you're like, I hope she doesn't open that cabinet. She's going to find the Tootsie Roll wrappers that I stole. How many of us have a closet that we just want to leave closed when other people are around? Not because we love to engage in those things, but because there's things that we're not proud of. And we're afraid that somebody's going to look at what I'm not proud of and think that that's who I want to be. Let me just go on a limb and say this. I know that the terrible things that you do in your life are terrible. And I don't care about those things. I care that you find your best life, and I know that that's a journey. But if I focus on all of the things in your life and all of the things in my life that are bad, and we just keep trying to get rid of them. Because here's the thing, we also think that people who are stuck or caught in a lifestyle, that they continually make a choice. I want you to know that there are times when addiction takes over and they no longer have a choice. They made the choice at the beginning, and now the choice is being made for them. I want you to know that there's abuse in this life that we endure, trauma that we endure, that our brain begins to fire differently. And it's really easy for me. I grew up in the church. When the church doors were open, I was there. I had a key to the gym. I could pick the ball closet with the best of them. Potlucks, I, was, I had all the best hiding places whenever we got our deviled eggs and ran off to play hide-and-seek in the rest of the church. There's not been a time in my life I didn't know who Jesus was. That's what I believe. That I have walked with him my whole life. I don't know why, but God has chosen to take the tough things in my life and help me see where other people are coming from. I'm going to use a phrase that I want you to begin to process, and we definitely can't unpack it in a day, but it's called trauma-informed churches, okay? A trauma-informed church doesn't look at somebody as what they do, but who they are and whose they are. And even if I don't acknowledge that I am Jesus' creation, if you know that I am, treat me as such. Treat me as such. I have a friend, Art. Anytime I go places, I have to talk about Art. I'm so proud of him. I think I dropped him off for rehab four different times. I think he's gone seven since I've met him. He used to be my cook at IHOP. We'd fight over the extra bacon that he left off my ticket all day long. All day long. Two years ago, on May 7th, well, on May 7th, it'll be two years that he showed up at my house high as a kite. Coming down, his kid found his, his paraphernalia in the house. And he was going to lose everything. He'd been focusing on the wrong thing. He'd been trying to get clean by himself. And he started getting the stimulus money and unemployment money. 
and he had idle hands, no job to report to because he was working in a kitchen. He had way too much money. He started buying these big old steaks. He bought himself a grill. He's like, David, I'm trying to spend all my money so that I don't have any left over. Can you imagine not being able to have extra money around because of the temptation to use it on that? Do you think he wanted that for his life? No. But he couldn't put it to death because he was focusing on the wrong thing. And he was growing weary as he watched it. You see, the first thing is, where do we focus? The second is, we have to die. It's so much easier for me to die when I'm focusing on the right thing. It's so much easier for me not to fight wedding planning when I know May 7th will arrive and we won't have all this stuff to do. And I want to get as much done before my wedding so that afterwards it's an easy transition. If I don't focus on the right things now, it'll be much more difficult later. And the tasks that most people would grow weary with are a pleasure when we begin to focus in the right place. <clears throat> the next part of this, you see, let me, let me go back. People don't need us to tell them all the things that they do wrong. Do you know why? It's because God put in us a conscience. Now, I do believe that there's a point at which some people lose their conscience because of the hard-heartedness. I believe Pharaoh was one of those examples. I think God took his conscience away. That was part of his punishment. He could no longer just let the people go. And God was like, okay, you're going to see my full wrath. Now you can't tell them they're going to go. And here's the ten plagues. And now everyone else is going to realize when you don't obey me, something happens that's not your best life. But when we're living in his promises, we get to see that best life. But people who aren't living there, me, last week, not living there, got angry, got frustrated. Not living my best life, I was focusing on the wrong thing. And in order for me to put that to death, I had to take a break from what I was doing. I had to take a drive, which, by the way, was a pre-existing agreement that if I felt like I was getting overwhelmed, it was okay for me to take a drive for a while. I didn't want to leave for more than like 45 minutes to an hour because I didn't want to feel like I was abandoning or make anybody feel abandoned. But I spent time refocusing my life. In that moment, like, what happened? Why was this bigger than it should have been? And I finally realized. So I went back and we talked. But I realized I was focusing on the wrong thing. People don't need help realizing all the bad stuff in their life. Jesus even says when you're taking a speck out of their eye, you've got a plank in your own. So focus on that. That's what he's saying. Focus on his redemption, his best for your life. And show people the pattern of what it is to not modify behavior, but to invest in the heart. It's not my job to tell you what to do. In fact, usually when I tell you what to do and what not to do, it makes you go, you can't tell me what to do. And even if it's the best thing for your life, the tendency is rebellion. But if I remind them, like, hey, Remember that that doesn't look like God's best for your life. If you need help finding that, let me know. And then go on with dinner. Don't beat them over the head with it. They know they're not doing the best. And when they call back because you were receptive to them, 
you'll get a chance to talk real Jesus on the other side of something bad. You get a chance to help them see what to focus on and kind of go through an event like you're a, like you're an offensive coordinator figuring out what went wrong in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, you take it objectively and keep your feelings out of it. Because that's the way we can do ministry. Art showed up. He's been clean for almost two years. Isn't that awesome? We actually sold him our food truck to which he just made his first payment like last month because we told him we don't want this to be a stress. God's given us this resource. We can't give this food truck away during the pandemic. Ain't nobody want to touch that with a 39 and one half foot pole. (laughs) But we're like, God, do you want Art to have this? And he said, yeah. And so Art said, that's awesome. I'm going to smoke something different. (laughs) So if you ever get down to Shell Knob, you look up Arthur's uh, Smoke Shack. And it's a good place. But now Art is helping to run the rehab facility that he found what to focus on. And he's helping guys learn what to focus on. And I asked him the other day, he was, he's working in a stressful kitchen because he's trying to work a part-time job and, and run the food truck. And I said, Art, this kitchen thing is pretty stressful. God, how many of you ever worked in a restaurant kitchen? If you ever have questions on patients with stupid people, you just ask these people. They understand. You also want to think of all the things you can't do to people that are being bad? Ask them, because they also have those things planned out in their mind. But I said, Art, are you stressed out to the point where this is going to tempt you to use? I have to ask that before I give you my advice. He said, no, that's like not part of my life. There's no room for that anymore. I got so much joy in my heart. When his most stressful situation he could ever endure, the thing that used to drive him to want to use, And then became the mode of which how he could use and go to work to get high. He said it doesn't have a place in his life anymore. That's transformation. And he didn't do it saying, don't use meth, don't use meth, don't use meth. He did it by saying, I want God's best for my life. So if you're ever stuck on an addiction stuck in a place where you feel like the decision's being made for you, there may be something attached to that that is not yours to drop. It's God's. And so in order to have that happen, if he's going to take that off of your plate, if he's going to redeem that part of your life, you have to focus on him in order for him to have that. He's a gentleman. He asks. He allows you to make that step. He'll go the rest of the way. But you have to surrender it. And we're really good at surrendering what we're willing to, right? I surrender some. I surrender some. All, some to Jesus. I surrender. You know, we're really good at that. Let's stop that. So then, once we, uh, first we focus, then we die. Now we can truly live. This is the piece with the alabaster jar and the perfume. Washing Jesus' feet with perfume that was a huge amount of money. Because that which has been forgiven, those who've been forgiven much are thankful for much. I want you to know, just close your eyes for a second. If the entire world chose not to follow Jesus, except for you, he would have died. That means just you put him on the cross. 
that one stings a little bit. It's like, it's like we feel so special because God would just choose me, even if it was just me. But no, you would have forced him to still keep his end of the bargain. And he would pay for both sides of the covenant. If he broke it, he'd pay with blood. If we broke it, he'd pay with blood. Now we can truly live. And we understand that even our small sins put him on the cross. That he chose something different for us in our relationship. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these things, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, and singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times it mentions gratitude. Part of this life and part of gratitude is in order for me to be thankful, I have to take note of that which has been done. How many of you have a really hard time accepting compliments? This would be me. Now, you can raise your hand. No, no, raise them proud. These are people that if you want to compliment, you have to compliment in specific ways. A vague compliment does not suffice for these people. Do you know why? It's usually because they pay really close attention to how they love you. If you compliment their cake and you're like, hey, that cake was great. No, 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 that's not how it works. I have had thousands of pieces of cake in my life. And yours is in the top ten. You hear the difference? The scope of my sampling is this. But you are incredible. Did it take me a whole lot longer? I want you to know, if the cake is not top 10, I don't tell them it's top 10 because I don't want them to make that cake anymore. (laughs) When we realize what's been done to us, we can truly be thankful. When we realize what's been done for us and done with us, we can truly be thankful. And when we're focusing on the right things, our cravings change to that which you're supposed to have. Facebook knows what I talk about. I started talking about a new smoker, and guess what pops up on my uh, advertisements? A smoker. Guess where my focus has been? Oh, look, I just got paid. I could go buy a smoker. Emergency fund, David. Emergency fund, David. (laughs) Mortgage payment, David. Like... I have to remember to focus on the right things. But when I focus on what I want and what God wants for me, it's easy for me to say no to the things of my cravings of my flesh and much easier for me to attain the goals. I had a scoutmaster said, aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. I don't know if, how many of you are shooters? Anybody out there a shooter? So <laughs> when I was in Boy Scouts, we had this kid, and he thought he hit a bullseye every time. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a bullseye, 22 at 100 yards. Like, we were pretty good shots. 
He was a good shot. Problem is, when he looked down his scope, his scope was pointed at the wrong target. So it looked like I did pretty rough. Then when we got him focused on his right, we pulled the targets in, he'd be like, yeah, I got like all bullseyes. I'm like, no, you didn't. Your target is blank. Because he was shooting at the wrong target. He was shooting at my target, and he wasn't hitting bullseyes. He was making me look like I couldn't shoot. As soon as we got him focused on the right thing, my target looked a lot better. The problem is, is right here we think something's a big deal. And then I have an agenda way down there. If I focus on the wrong thing, I'm never going to have a chance of hitting the right target. Blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes, I guess. But let's try to be a little bit more intentional with our relationship with Jesus. So often, we focus on the, on the negative side of everything. We want, we want to fix the problem. Well, sometimes I don't think God cares about what we do. I think he cares about why we do it. I don't think God cares what we do sometimes. I think he cares about the root of, of the motivation. And if our motivation is to find him, I'm going to get a lot less distracted. And I'm going to get his positive reinforcement a lot more. The last thing for us to do is inside this life, we get to live on cloud nine. I don't know if you've ever sat down and counted your blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. How many one by one might seem it was going to take a long time? The surprises that God has on this Easter egg hunt of life is just incredible. Sometimes you open up an Easter egg and it's got a Snickers bar in it. That's a good, that's a good Easter egg. <laughs> Sometimes you open it up and it's got like a, a, a press arm tattoo. That's not a good Easter egg. But sometimes you open it up and there's money. Those are the real good ones. <laughs> God has things hidden all over our lives. He has people in our lives that he wants to bless us with. He has people in our lives that we are going to gain a blessing from loving them. And we're not going to be able to see it if we don't live with them. Because so much gets in our way. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Hear me. Everything that hinders does not always have to be sin. Okay? Sometimes it's your schedule. Sometimes I've said yes to the wrong thing too many times. And that's hindering me from doing God's best or experiencing God's best in my life. Those are big deals. We look at this so often and we think, oh, it's just talking about sin. No, he says everything. That's a roadblock. It could be a good thing. You ever heard of a book called Good to Great? I'll save you reading it, but it's a good read. It's a business book. But it literally is the, the enemy of great is good. Now, don't become noncommittal because you're like, oh, I'm afraid to say yes because there might be something better. Don't do that. That ain't the problem. <laughs> The problem is I keep saying yes to things that are okay or good. 
And I never experienced God's best for my life. So throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance suggests it's going to be difficult. We fix our eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So we say that focus on Jesus, but he focuses on the cross. So we are following his example of how to die. He scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Part of why Jesus had to come to the planet was he needed to be able to tell us that he understands. He empathizes. He gets it. Part of it is God wanted us to know that he understands pain on a human level. And he understands trauma on a human level. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk with somebody for three years and then that's the person who hands you over for praying? If you've ever experienced betrayal, so has Jesus. If you've ever experienced loss, so has Jesus. If you've ever experienced somebody's BO in the car for five hours, so has Jesus. I like to tell people my favorite book is James because I'm pretty sure that Jesus farted on James. And so he like got the other side of things. You know, we always think of Jesus as like, you know, the God of heaven. But he was human. Just because he's perfect doesn't mean he doesn't smell like frozen onions sometimes. Doesn't mean that his feet didn't stink. You know that story of the, the lady washing his feet? That means a little bit different when you start thinking about the B.O. factor. They washed his feet with her hair. Because she was thankful. Sometimes I grow weary because I focus on the wrong things. Where we focus matters. Jesus focused on being able to have true community with us. He focused on his promise to save us. And he beckons the church today to focus on him. To not focus on the behavior walking through the door. To not focus on the kid that's screaming. But maybe what that kid needs is what we got to focus on. Don't focus on the treat. I promise it doesn't make six weeks go by any faster. <laughs> Keep your eyes focused on the right things. And everything else seems to fall in line. And as you all are looking for a senior pastor, uh, ever since Tom told me about it, I've been praying for you all in this search. It's a big deal. But let me tell you, from one pastor to a congregation that I'll probably never get to see again in this capacity, we might run into each other. One day I'll have another food truck. You'll want to look it up, I promise. So we may come across again, but God has something for you in this season that he wants you to step up in. There's a problem in this church that he brought you here to fix problem in this world that he, he died on the cross so it would be possible for you to have the power necessary to heal somebody. There's something for you to get out of this time in between leaders. There's something that he wants you to step up and lead. And he made it possible because he died on the cross. Because without him we're nothing. And he wants you to have the treat, I promise. Because he's a good father. 
I thank you for spending this moment with me. And I pray that as a senior pastor comes in here and knocks it out of the park, you guys are going to have a great time. But ministry is going to be a lot more accessible if every one of us would look at our lives and say, my job is to be a pastor to my neighborhood. My coworkers are my mission field. My paid vacation at work might be an opportunity for me to take a mission trip, a staycation, and serve at one of these places that's on your mission board. Maybe you just go clean toilets and save them from having to pay somebody to do it. Maybe you write letters to missionaries. I don't know what it looks like. But whoever comes in here, if they find us in the right place, we're going to get a whole lot more done. I hope that in this time you've grown thankful for the role of a senior pastor and the consistency of having somebody here all the time. Make sure you tell them. And make sure you're part of that with them. I hope that they serve up a meal that they eat first and give to you second. And I hope that you eat enough that you'll be able to pass it on. But Jesus showed us the model of what to focus on. For the joy set before him. And I think what he saw was us in heaven with him. And that's the only thing that pulled him to it. So I commend you on your journey, and today I believe you're voting on somebody. Just know, he says the race marked out with perseverance. If this is the right person, great. If it's the wrong person, great. Regardless, Jesus has something for us to focus on in this time. And he focused on us, in heaven with him, eating all the bacon we can eat. No effects of fat and salt at all. (laughs) He had something in mind that got him to the cross. And it was partially for this moment so Art could be in heaven with him one day. And there's going to be somebody walking through that door that needs you not to say, hey, I think you might be a little messed up right now. They probably just need you in a safe manner. Don't put yourself at unneed risk. You know, bring somebody with you, whatever. But he wants you to say, let me teach you what to focus on. Step by step, we can do this. And I'll be with you every step of the way. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for grace. I thank you for Colossians 3 and the fruit that it's born in my life. I thank you for the seeds planted deep in my soul from that. And I pray today that you would have planted those as well. I pray for this church, for a road, that in this season of transition and uncertainty, I pray that you would bless them, that you would grow them, and that you would increase their capacity for ministry far beyond what they had before. So, Lord, we pray for whoever comes in here to lead in whatever capacity, that you fill them up with wisdom and give them exactly what they need to bring more life into a a body that's alive, more wisdom to a body that's already full of wisdom. And I pray that that person would be able to bring more people into the kingdom with the help of this church.